Welcome to Mediation Today, a program brought to you by Vesnatsa Tichanin, a Canberra lawyer and mediator. Every episode introduces an experienced Australian mediator to talk about mediation training, development, ethics and practice. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the ACT land, the Ngunnawal people. Good morning, dear listeners. Today, it's my pleasure to present to you, for the second time, Dr. Dale Beckshaw. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, Vesta. And thank you for coming back. It's a pleasure. In the first episode, Dale talked to us about her beginnings in the area of mediation and her life journey, both private and professional, including the many awards she's received for her work. In today's episode, we focus on Dale's work in elder mediation over a number of years. A few details to start with. In 2007, Dale led the research team that developed the first Elder Abuse State Plan, our actions to prevent the abuse of older South Australians, and since 2014 has been a member of the South Australia Health and Aging Well Department's Safeguarding the Rights of Older South Australians Advisory Committee. She and her co-researchers also received an Australian Research Council linkage grant for a national study of the financial abuse of older people by their adult children and have widely published their findings. In 2013, Dale co-convened the sixth World Summit on Mediation with Age-Related Issues at the University of South Australia in Adelaide and received the Sharon Award from the Elder Mediation International Network for her international leadership in this field. Dale subsequently established and chairs the Elder Mediation Australasian Network, EMAN, is on the International Board and Certification Committee of the International Network and has completed the International Network's Elder Mediation Advanced Certification requirements. Since April 2015, Dale has conducted many Elder Mediation training workshops in Australia and New Zealand. In your recent presentation for the National Mediation Conference 2021, you said that the concepts or constructs of ageing, abuse and rights vary across cultures and generations. Tell us about that. If I reflect, I led the team that wrote the first state plan for the prevention of abuse of older people in South Australia. And that was well before I retired. I retired in 2009, and I think that was uh, earlier in the decade. And having done the research locally and developed that first plan, I've remained as a member of the South Australian Government Strategy to Safeguard the Rights of Older South Australians Steering Committee. And on that steering committee, we discuss ways to prevent elder abuse. And of course, I then started to think when we wrote the initial research, particularly with financial abuse of older people, it would be very useful if mediation could be used as an early intervention and a way of preventing the financial abuse of older people, which is generally abuse which is perpetrated by their adult children. I guess a whole heap of things came together. The fact that I was ageing myself, the fact that I was caring for my ageing parents, I had, in fact, earlier been teaching about ageing in the social work course, and we had um, some years ago done a pilot study looking at the use of mediation with older people, which people, in fact, didn't know a lot about. So it all came together. And then I got an ARC grant, which is an Australian Research Council grant, along with my colleagues, 
and we got some funding from the South Australian Health Department and worked with organisations in South Australia of five different organisations, Relationships Australia, the Office for the Public Advocate, Guardianship Board, etc. And we um, did a national study of financial abuse of older people by their adult children and looked at whether or not mediation would assist. In the process of doing that, we did look at culture as well. We talked to different cultural groups in South Australia about what they perceive elder abuse as being and what would assist them. And each group I visited had different terminology, different language they used when they talked about abuse or elder abuse of older people, different attitudes to older people, different ways of of thinking about uh, what was abuse and what wasn't abuse in in their minds. When when you were mentioning those organisations with which you collaborated in that project uh, earlier. Um, I was about to say that that was a very powerful coalition. But then when you started working on the ground with communities, you realized there are different approaches or different even perceptions. But can I just point here to something that you, uh, that there is that age is stereotyping so despite of the fact that different people have and different organizations of different backgrounds have different understanding there is that underlying or there seem to be that underlying age stereotyping that is negative presents people as helpless frail vulnerable do you agree with that yes and i think that was not as uh, apparent in all cultures because in some cultures older people were revered a lot more than in western culture Uh, but it was still present because it's present it's like the air we breathe ageism it's invisible. And no matter what cultural background you come from, the general society in Australia is incredibly ageist. It's on television, it's everywhere. And it's so pervasive that a lot of the time we don't even know that we're being ageist mm. when we, in the way we're thinking about things or perceiving things. And of course, we also live in a very racist country. So put those two things together and we've got a double jeopardy for, for some older people. Mm, absolutely. And many people perceive old age as a process of degeneration and oh, yes, lack yes. of productivity. Uh, making mistakes is in normal life, yet to err is human. And then when you are a bit older, oh, that's because they are old. That's right. And, and people think that they have a right to make decisions for their older parent because they're old. And, be, and quite often, even with mediators, sometimes mediators think that parenting coordinators use that approach where there's a parent and a child to consider. And they take that approach and try and apply it to elder mediation. But older people are not children. They're adults. They have a right to fail. They have a right to make mistakes. Decisions that affect them, they have a right to actually make a contribution to that decision and to ultimately make the decision for themselves. You have the issue, of course, of capacity and the issues of elder abuse, which are very, very important to consider when you're an elder mediator. And a lot of older people do become forgetful. And sometimes people think, oh, they're forgetful and therefore they got dementia and they don't have capacity to make decisions for themselves. Even when people have dementia, especially in early stage dementia, I think it's important to involve them in decision making and to find the right time of the day, the right when people are perhaps more alert 
usually people are much more alert with dementia in the early times of the day or after they've taken a certain pill, etc. It's up to the mediator to try and actually find the best time for the older person to involve them in decision making. But I think um, this quite often, particularly adult children, think that just because somebody's over 70, they have a right or they're entitled to their assets. They're entitled to make decisions for them. And that's certainly what we found in our national study, that the most commonly given reason by older people, by family members, for adult children actually financially abusing their older parent was that strong sense of entitlement to their parents' assets. Yeah, and to control in a way. And you also wisely noted that in your work, that values and beliefs change in generations. And if I may just um, extrapolate uh, 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 from there, that it is these, uh, this time, these few months even, have seen such a change and quick and fast change in the way we communicate. And we were talking about Zoom. All the people maybe have not been able to actually grasp all those technological changes. And that's so easy to then say, oh, they can't do it or not able to do it. It's very painful when I think about it. Oh, it certainly is. And when you look at the My Edge Care website, you have to be computer literate in order to find your way around that website. I have this strong sense that there's an increasing division between the generations because of COVID, because we get this strong message in the media that somehow we have to look about, look after these frail older people who are likely to die, and therefore we have to go into lockdown. So you have younger people very angry about that, and they even have a hashtag boomer remover uh, website, <laughs> and, you know, younger people being oh, very dear. angry with older people oh, and dear. blaming them for the fact that, that they go into lockdown without fully understanding that COVID can seriously affect uh, younger people, and particularly Delta strain. But, um, and I think that there's been increased division because the mixing of younger people with older people has been discouraged. Mm. Uh, because you might give your older relative COVID-19, so you stay away. I also have family, as do many other older people, because I fit that category, who live in Brisbane. Two young grandchildren, my son, his wife. I've only been able to visit them once in the last two years. And I find I'm ceasing to be a part of their life to the same extent I could have been. And a lot of people are experiencing that. That separation, that division. And I I think mediation, after this is all over where it may be really important to help to bring some of these families back together again. Dear listeners, Dr. Dale Bagshaw is here with me and we are talking about elder mediation. Dale, I'd like to hear from you about how is mediation practice with elders different from normal mediation, let's say. Most um, mediation, and particularly family mediation, involve the parents, maybe maybe occasionally lawyers. But in elder mediation, the process usually involves quite a large number of people, what can. It usually involves um, members of the older person's family. The older person can bring 
an advocate or a support person with them, or if they don't have capacity, there may be somebody representing them, or if they choose not to attend. So you can have a larger group of people. Uh, it could be social workers, psychologists, doctors, carers. It could be people from the aged care home. Also, wherever possible, I make sure that I involve the older person, particularly if decisions are being made about them. You need to be very familiar in elder mediation about ageing itself and the impact it has on older people. You may need to go more slowly, have shorter sessions, many breaks. You need to know and understand about elder abuse the various types of abuse and how to identify when it's happening, how to screen for abuse before you even decide whether or not mediation is appropriate, and also the whole issue of capacity, whether or not a person is able legally or, or mentally to make a decision that is going to affect them. I certainly expect everybody working in this space to enrol in a course such as the course run by the University of South Australia, which is free and online, called Understanding Dementia or Preventing Dementia, for example. I think you need to have a good knowledge of the ageing process, how it influences people, affects people, the issue of gender and culture and how that plays into that, the issues of mental health, a lot of older people experience depression, uh, anxiety. There's a higher rate of suicide uh, amongst some older groups of people. You need to understand culture, the different cultural backgrounds of people and how that's impacting on them and their uh, older age. So there are many, many. I'm only just scratching the surface. Yes, so for sure. I think the process itself is different too. I've noticed in the courses I've run that uh, the particular approach that family dispute resolution practitioners use, I don't think is appropriate for elder mediation. The business of developing agendas before you start the process, I don't think works. Uh, I use an approach, very much an approach developed by Dr. John Haynes, grandfather of mediation in America. And I think that works much, much better when you're working with older people and their families and carers and other people in their network. You also have to have a very strong relationship with other people in the ageing field, doctors, geriatricians, uh, lawyers who are interested in elder law, a whole range of service providers who work in this field, in the, for example, in the Office of the Public Advocate, Alzheimer's Association, guardianship boards, etc., so it's very, very different, and I really honestly would persuade anybody who wants to work in this space to take on additional education and training and to look at being certified because I think the more you know, the better the outcomes are for older people and their families. Dale, I know that you just scratched the f surface, but it was very insightful. Could I please ask you to give us a sentence or two about the findings of, of the Royal Commission? I don't think that we can end this conversation without hearing from you about it. The whole impetus for the Royal Commission started in South Australia because of abuse that was uncovered in one of the nursing homes in South Australia. And as I said, I was on the South Australian Department for Health and Ageing Safeguarding the Rights of Older Adults Committee. What the uh, Royal Commission has highlighted is how ageist our country is and how that's impacted on the care of older people. 
actually the human rights of older people, particularly in aged care, but also the human rights of those living at home and isolated, have been painfully denied, denied and flouted in a way that is horrific. The Royal Commission has uncovered so much abuse and I think there's so much more that has been happening to older people that we've yet to know about. What saddens me is in spite of the Royal Commission and their findings and recommendations, there are still reports of elder abuse occurring in some of the aged care facilities and the aged care homes. We still have older people who've yet to receive a jab, so to speak, to prevent yes. um, particularly the older um, Indigenous elders. It's very sad to hear what's happening at the moment in New South Wales. With, uh, we've, start, we've already lost one elder. And I think, again, that goes back to ageism. It goes back to discrimination against older people. Uh, and we really need to tackle this issue of ageism in our country before we can solve many of the problems that the Commission has, has exposed. And what some wise people say in more traditional communities, they say community or nation that doesn't take care of its young and of its elders has a very bitter and sad future. Very well said, Vesna. I agree. Dear <laughs> listeners, this was Dr. Dale Bagshaw. Dale, thank you so much for these two episodes. I enjoyed enormously talking to you and learning from you. I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you, Vesna. Sincere thanks for your time and hope to cross our paths in many different ways in the years to come, Dale. I'm sure we will, Vesna. Thank you. Excellent. Dear listeners, this was Mediation Today for today. I'll talk to you again. Goodbye.